0: Intention, interior trucking companies. If you are relying on facility insurance, you could be overpaying. Reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck. And good news, we accept drivers with only one year of experience. To learn more, just send us text by typing insurance to 365-364-0714. Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Trekking Risk and Insurance Podcast. This week on TRIP. Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast. We have David Heller, the Senior Vice President from Truckload Carriers. And one of David's roles is to lobby the U.S. government on behalf of trucking companies throughout Canada and the United States. So with that, let's get to the interview. David Heller, welcome to the Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast. David, I thought we would start off if you would be Kind to tell our guests and our viewers what it is that you do at the truckload carriers. Well,
0: first of all, gentlemen, thank you for having me on. And and at TCA here, I am the Senior Vice President of Safety and Government Affairs. Uh, Basically, in a nutshell, it is my job to understand just about anything and everything. And there certainly is a lot of anything and everything (laughs) uh, that gets talked about in DC as it pertains to legislative issues and regulatory issues and be able to communicate that to the membership of TCA. So if you can imagine just about every different conversation that I'm in can change from every 20 minutes or so to something entirely different. And then I get the pleasure of conversating and communicating with TCA membership about those changes and the effects it may have on carriers that belong to TCA.
2: Well, and, and it, I'm, I'm sorry. I imagine that includes a, a little bit of um, – you know, language change up to get it out of the government in ease and bring it down to layman's terms for people to understand. People understand, but I do it so I
0: can understand it. I always say, <laughs> I, need to, I need to explain like a four-year-old can understand it. And it, you yeah. know, that's how yeah. I can understand it so I can communicate it. So there's yeah. a little translation. There more anything yeah.
1: such as a dumb question. And if there is, I'm the one usually asking it. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: No, I know you do a great job. Every year, Uh, We're blessed that TCA does come up to Canada and does a bridging, a bridging borders event. And this year was no different. Mm -hmm. And some of the topics that you talked about specifically about what's going on in Washington, because that, as you know, greatly affects every cross border carrier. And our audience, by the way, is uh, 40% American and 60% Canadian. So we have a lot of Americans that do listen and and view this show. What is happening on the Hill right now? Is like truck governing? Is that still a topic? Well, you know, and it's funny when you look at Capitol Hill right
0: now, we're in the midst or pretty much concluding what we call our lame duck session, which means... We're basically transitioning from one Congress to the next. We had our election in November and elected our uh, new senators, new representatives that will take office and will be sworn in after the holidays. So the old Congress is basically finishing up their work with a sense with the sense basically being they're finishing a year end spending package. And that spending package is set to be voted on, which basically keeps the government open and, and keeps it moving forward. So what does it look like at this point when it comes to trucking and whatnot? probably not much of anything in terms of governing, um, they'll look to the new Congress to start rolling ideas out through
1: that, mm-hmm. that regard. So what, where does that leave a lot of the big things that are happening, such as, um, are they, well, are they talking about governing? Cause I hear that every now and again, that the, uh, the they keep throwing out, are we going to govern the big trucks?
0: <laughs> well, and that's a great question because now there's
1: a rule that's coming through
0: FMCSA, which is regulatory in nature, and which FMCSA doesn't need congressional permission to move forward with with governing or limiting speeds on trucks. They can actually do so because they have purview or, or legal authority to do that because of their their status as a as an administrative organization through through government, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Um, But basically, they can issue rules and regulations that pertain to the industry because that's who they regulate. So in saying that, we're still in the midst of a speed limiting or speed governing rule, and we don't know what it looks like. Uh, Basically, they issued a a notice of intent, if you will, or a a supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking, advanced supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking that asked the industry, where are you on this? What does your speed Mm -hmm. program look like? And- how do you perceive a rule laying out the interesting part of this is when they did issue it there was no speeds that they suggested were the right or wrong answer they wanted industry to declare that more than anything else so Mm -hmm. when industry came forward they did so to the tune of i believe over sixteen thousand comments were submitted to the docket in relation to that so when the federal government or fmcsa receives this amount of comments they read every single comment that is whether it's on a scratch piece of paper official letterhead what have you, they're reading every word that's submitted before they can move forward with the next step. So it yeah. does take time. This Nobody will ever accuse the federal government of being fast in its regular way. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a, a, a time lengthening process. So I would imagine at some point in 2023, probably the la- latter half of 2023, we'll probably see a supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking that might include what they perceive to be as speed limits in which fleets could be governed at. Make no mistake, too. I, let's say this. This is not your grandfather's speed limiter. This is not set of speed and forget it. You know, technology has come so far so fast that you're yeah. looking at new technology that can allow for flexibility to be built into the driver's day. You know, yeah. you can adjust for where they're driving if they're in a 25 mile an hour zone. And again, I'm from the state, so I use miles mm-hmm. per hour. But yep. at the same point, it will adjust for that and adjust for that truck to go 25 miles per hour, versus on the interstates where it may be 65 miles an hour, even 70 miles an hour, it could adjust for that as well. I know a lot of our members had filed comments. they use speed control programs as part of their safety incentives and give safety incentives or their safest drivers, higher rates of speed because they have the experience. They, they know what it's like to operate safely. So they'll allow them to travel a few miles per hour, giving them some additional horsepower. So it's all across the board as to how this will actually work. And FMCSA is in the unenviable position of trying to decipher oh, yeah. all the comments that were submitted to the doctor <laughs> forward with what is
1: next. Well, I was wondering, does, does TCA have a position on this? We do. We do. TCA supports limiting
0: speeds on vehicles at 65 miles per hour. Um, And again, we would allow that to go up if those trucks that are being operated have a adaptive cruise control, for instance, automatic emergency braking Mm -hmm. or proper safety technologies that would help the driver, assist the driver when traveling at a higher rate of speed. So that would be our problem.
1: Well, that's cool. Um, What else is happening on the hill that you can share with us? Oh, wow. It's a little bit of everything.
0: You know, 2023 is not going to be quiet. You know, it's going to be a lot like 2022. There's still a need for drivers. I think FMCSA and the government are still looking at to attract people to the trucking industry. We still we have that ongoing pilot program that is is looking at the safety record and safety performance of younger drivers and whether, whether or not they are operating in a manner that is as safe or safer than um, their more seasoned counterparts. I think we're going to see a lot of news uh, coming out on equipment at some mm-hmm. point in the future as it pertains to environmental aspects and, and the issues that industry is dealing with when they're trying to upgrade their equipment. So I think 2023 will bring a lot of noise about that. And again, we'll still be dealing with misclassification issues with independent contractors. Yep, so the yep. board to say nothing about the fact that Congress is, is going to try and fix the truck parking issue. I mean, get more parking spaces for trucks across the country.
2: Well, and and it's interesting because a lot of those issues that are happening in the U.S. are also happening up here in Canada. You know, we've got the misclassification situation. We've got ELD changes that are going on. You know, and I know the U.S. is now looking at, hmm, should we go to a third-party certification process? Um, You know, and then the truck parking issue across Canada is just really, really tough. So, yeah, so there's a lot of similarities between the two. So I'm I'm kind of glad to see that we're now getting the industry, I guess you could say, is getting representation from a North American association, which we're looking at TCA being that. Yeah. And I,
0: I'm, I'm one of the lucky people to know that I have members in both countries. We've got great mm-hmm. members in Canada. We've got great members in the States. And they're all experiencing the same problems, as you said. There, yeah. There's not yeah. one problem that's an issue here in the States that's not an issue in Canada. Uh, yeah. And it needs to go about that play. Yes, we thank you for your third party certification rule that <laughs> FMCSA <laughs> is now looking into it. Good, bad, yeah. or indifferent, certainly it's an aspect that has limited your playing field for ELDs up in, up north of the border. So it's one yeah. of those issues yeah. that this that FMCSA is looking forward or looking at as bringing something like that to the States. now. I don't have a crystal ball that will tell no, me if no. if that's the direction they're going to go in. But it's certainly one of the questions they have and how well it's worked. So, you know, a lot of the same problems, supply chain issues, driver shortage. I think we're all dealing with that and trying to look for innovative mm-hmm. ways to attract new people to in the industry. And I think that's, that's going to be point or problem number one as we get into 2023.
1: Big time. Big time well, yeah. uh, equipment shortages, like we're shorted. Yeah. yeah. To say the word shortage, it applies to everything, equipment, Mm -hmm. drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, like it doesn't matter going to your local coffee shop. They seem Mm -hmm. to be short of personnel. It's just, it's a North American, at least I don't, I was going to say worldwide. What, what I know about Europe, but uh, Mm -hmm. certainly here in North America, it seems to be a crisis of people. There just isn't enough. Oh, there's no doubt.
0: It's not just a trucking industry thing. It's all across the board and everybody's experiencing it from your local ice cream shop. And here it is middle winter and we're talking ice cream. (laughs) But at the same (laughs) point, you know, everybody's experiencing it, no matter where you go or what you do. I think somebody has a sign in their window that says apply within and they're just consistently looking for good help.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the pandemic is definitely not help. I think it is really, if anything, it's helped to expose more, the problems that we're having to deal and face with today. Oh, definitely. It, it, the one thing I—it's basically
0: gotten people out of the industry or out of working. And and where do we go from here? The one thing it did show was the essentiality of trucking. I think people yes. now started to realize, right, is how important the professional truck driver is to mm-hmm. keeping the economy going. You know, yeah. years past. As an industry, if we're operating, uh, we traditionally operate on a driver shortage, right? It, you've always heard the news. We're 60,000 drivers short, 60,000 drivers short, which was never great. We understand that. And and Johnny Citizen understands that, but it's never in their face. All of a sudden, you're somewhere hovering around 80,000 and you start seeing empty shelves. So that's where the problem starts going or inventory is not fulfilled in a certain amount of times. And that starts to become an issue and all of a sudden it becomes quite an issue and COVID showed that the professional truck driver is delivering everything that everybody has and uses on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. We certainly know that because nobody goes to the train station to buy milk. It just, they go to stores to buy it and it gets to the store on a truck. So in saying that, it highlighted the importance of the professional truck driver. And I think that's here to stay.
1: Hope so. I sure as hell hope so. Because, (laughs) well, I was just reading an article um, this morning and it was an American article. I'm just trying to think which government it was that was uh, issuing it. There isn't the states trying to pass legislation right now that if a truck driver is delivering to your premises, they have to be allowed to use the washroom?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's unfortunate that it's come down to that.
0: And and that's the reality. I don't, you know, the fact that you have a truck driver working in today's society, that would be denied the use of a restroom. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't speak too highly of our society. You know, you got people delivering goods that you desperately need. Let them use the bathroom if they need to. I I think we've all can attest, and I'm not a truck driver, but I've driven on some long road trips. Sometimes you get to the point where you just got to use the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not good for anything. So the fact that we have to get legislation in place to to allow truck drivers to use restrooms Mm -hmm. when they need it um, is one of those issues that I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing.
2: Well, it, I was going to say they did it here in Ontario, you know, early on, and and it was and it was like everybody's going, really. We need to do that. We need to put that legislation in place. Like, yeah. can't people just allow somebody to use a washer? Yep. You know, so it really made you scratch your head. Yeah,
0: and that's and I'm of the same opinion. It's like it, we've come so far as to now we have to issue
1: legislation that would allow yeah. somebody to use the bathroom.
0: So, yeah, I
1: know. It's, I mean in the early days of COVID, I understand it because yeah. we didn't understand the disease and, and right. everything that it brought with us. So we wanted to limit everybody's exposure mm-hmm. to other people. So oh, I yeah. understand that, but this is a problem that goes back for many years. Not, it's yeah. not a COVID issue, but you anyway, know, kind of glad to see it. And I know Ontario had to do the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ridiculous that we've got to pass a law to treat somebody else with some dignity, but that's the society we all live in. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Exactly. Yeah, that was, I was, I'd forgotten about that until I was reading that this morning in uh, one of the, the news things that I get every now and again. But it, before we switch subjects, Anything else that you want to share about Washington, what you're lobbying or what you're hearing down there? <laughs> there certainly is
0: a lot of it. We've we been doing a lot of work with truck parking, uh, mm-hmm. I'd say, in the last couple of months. Um, certainly kind of hammering the needle home, there was – There was thought we might get increased dollars and you need dedicated funding to help solve an issue like this. It can't be infrastructure dollars, which then allows discretionary dollars to go to the states. The the problem with discretionary dollars is they're not earmarked for certain projects. And with 20, we just passed an infrastructure bill in the states in 2021, which was consisted of twenty twenty one dollars. Well, it's twenty twenty two and those dollars are not the same. They don't necessarily go as far as they once did. Do they? Yep. So, you're dealing with a tug of war when you're looking at roadways, bridges, and oh, truck parking. Um, who inevitably loses that argument? It's going to be truck parking, even though we there's such an essential need for it and need for more safe and secure truck parking across this country that there needs to be dedicated funding for it. And I think um, we had a bill that got introduced recently, which was basically almost an improved version of a previous bill that called for. 775 or 755 million dollars over four years to be dedicated towards this problem and it becomes a question of okay this is there and you have a lot of bipartisan support you're just not getting a lot of movement mm-hmm. days when what well, you and I would perceive as a great bill to pass through um, without getting attached to something much larger so when you think mm-hmm. of margin massive spending bills with large dollars amounted to it. This goes in as a as a little sidebar um in the in the realm of American politics and, and gets done that way. It just doesn't get voted up or down on its face value, which good bills like this certainly should. But it just won't. So I think 2023 will see some movement on truck parking with a lot of bipartisan support. Um, I know there's a lot of action or activity over at FMCSA where they're starting to look at the National Roadway Safety Strategy, which is one of those strategies that the agency is looking at to help improve the safety record um, that the administrator inherited when she got confirmed through the U.S. Senate, which is obviously increasing in accidents and looking at ways in which those accidents can come down. Technology always comes to mind when you have this conversation, and that strategy is no different. I just have the luxury of representing carriers as well as you gentlemen have the luxury of working with carriers who have this technology in place. So think automatic emergency braking, think lane departure warning systems. The success rate of those carriers that have had these things in place should trickle down to those carriers that do not and encourage their adoption, probably regulated or mandated putting on those trucks. So we're looking at things like that as it moves forward into the new year and what the agency wants to move forward with as well. So... Yeah, a lot of conversation. I think uh, I'm hoping we see some movement on hair testing. I know Chris and I are kind of sitting there looking at hair testing. (laughs) No guys with hair testing, but I'm hoping the incorporation of hair testing as an alternative measure for drug and alcohol testing policies without a doubt. Uh, The the numbers are there. They speak for themselves and the ability Mm -hmm. to identify more people who use drugs on our roadways when they should not be is tremendous. Yeah, yeah. We definitely need this measure in place as it relates to the dairy house.
1: Well, it, especially with drugs, um, with so many of the states, mm-hmm. with Canada, le- all legalizing marijuana, yeah. I'm not sure that the existing testing measures are fair and adequate. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you look at it, you know, over seven large truckload carriers had over 80,000 drivers tested last year for new wow. employee drug testing or drug testing programs. Of the 80,000 drivers, 400 tested positive for drugs in their system with a urine-based test. 4,000 tested positive for hair t- with hair testing. So there is wow. a distinct difference. in. Wow. You know, marijuana part of that factor. You know, just like Canada, it's getting legalized in a lot of areas here in the States. Mm-hmm. And certainly it is the number one detected drug by far here in the States. And those legalization efforts certainly are part of that. Now, uh, I'm not here to say it's good, bad or indifferent whether you use marijuana. That's not for me to say. But I can say as a truck driver, who operates an inter, in interstate commerce under the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations? Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's a no-no, and it's one of those mm-hmm. things that get pulled out, and, and you are not exempt from that. You are actually still required to be tested for marijuana, regardless of right. right? No, nope,
1: yeah. makes sense. It's just one of those things we we got to drive home road safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the number one concern. I would think of truckload carriers, but certainly the number one concern of John and I, because we're safety consultants, like, um, and we all drive the highways. Oh, yeah. You know, (laughs) if I say it once, I'll say it again,
0: you know, trucking in its basic form is delivering freight from point A to point B and doing so safely. Because if you don't do it safely, it doesn't get to that point B, does it? So yep. Yep. Um, that's what we're talking about here. And anything and everything we can do to to up the ante on improving our safety numbers mm-hmm. and reducing accidents, we certainly would do that and look forward to doing that. But, you know, 2023 is going to be just as busy as 2022. It,
2: mm-hmm. And it
0: just seems like every 2022, it, no stone was unturned. We were talking about anything and everything and we'll continue.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, <laughs> I... I think you've hit the two big issues, drug testing and truck driver parking. There's going to be another one. There's This is trucking, so there's always more big issues. <laughs> Things uh, happen in threes, right? <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask um, if we can switch cha- or change lanes. We'll use a trucking acronym. Change lanes a little bit. Why should a carrier look at truckload carriers as a viable uh, group to be a member of?
0: That's a great question. It really is. And it's 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 one we often get involved in because I always say, why would you not seek to be seek an environment where you can surround yourselves with people who are going through the same issues, have the same problems? And if you're seeking solutions to those problems, invariably, there will be people at our meetings that have done that or gone down that road and achieved that solution. So it's an opportunity to be surrounded by like minded people who are dedicated to making the industry better. Um, I've been involved with TCA for 17 years, which a long time in my book, and I, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever met a greater group of people who are dedicated to not only making Im- improvements within their business, but also helping uh, maybe a competitor, especially in the safety world. You know, there's no yeah. secrets in safety, and yep. being part of TCA exposes you to that environment, where you can you can ask questions and get an honest answer of what other carriers have strip have tried to do or have been successful in doing into solving a problem that you may have. And that's that's not because they're just large carriers or small carriers. It's carriers of all sizes that aren't hesitant to engage in those conversations. So if you belong to TCA, it gives you that opportunity to to share in that and surround yourself with like-minded individuals or with people who are going through the same things you are.
1: And I, I do know that uh, safety's your kind of forte and being on the hill, not recruiting new members. But I'd like to stay on the, the membership piece a little bit because I really see TCA um, and I'm not a member yet. But every time you come to Canada and I listen to the people that speak at the events, I go, damn, I want to be a member.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, just <laughs> well, if you just give me your credit card right now, Chris, I, I'll make sure. <laughs> I like that I like the fact that this, this is an organization you can be part of. You're not having to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Somebody here has gone through what you're going through. You have the ability to network with other like-minded professionals. And I know that. You guys, either in the administration side of, of TCA or from the membership side alone, would be more than happy to be able to say, yeah, well, this is how we did this. This is how we were able to work with this situation, or this is what we put in place to address this. You don't have to do it alone, you know, when yeah. you're with a good association. No and you're right it's it's one of those uh, open proverbial open door policies right
0: it's mm-hmm. it's hey somebody's got the answer to this somebody has dealt with this safety issue before yeah. you know trucking's not new and you know we're all gray-haired here on this this podcast so we've been around a long time to know that a lot of the same questions come up or a lot of the same problems arise by carriers and we all know people that have have encountered them and and had a solution for them or or maybe try something out that didn't work. Um, I, I think we all have that experience, and being part in surrounding yourself, whether it's at our safety and security division meeting that we have in June, that'll be in San Antonio, or our annual convention in Orlando in March, or our bridging border barrier conference. I think it just shows putting people of like minds in a room to. Educate themselves, become familiar with problems that other uh, others are experiencing. Because guess what, you'll figure out that you're not alone in experiencing yes. them either. And and uh, giving you a form to ask questions and get the solutions to those questions certainly provides a ton of value to a lot of people.
1: Sure. Well, and and I've heard the uh, the benchmarking committees um, where they share private and confidential information mm-hmm. with their competitors uh, mm-hmm. to to assist tackling the same problems that everybody's having. I've heard really good things from members about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's (laughs) it's
0: all about operational efficiency at that point. And when they're getting into reading between the lines of what those numbers actually mean is a a tremendous asset for those that are involved. Um, I... The people that are involved in it cannot speak highly enough about it. I mean, they're almost a a TCA salesperson in and of their own selves because of the rewards they've reaped from participating in this type of thing. And it just makes them overall better trucking companies. Uh, It makes them improve upon the bottom line and, and makes them make changes where changes need to be made. And, You know, maybe it's incorporating a piece of safety equipment into their operations that they didn't previously have before, looking at their operating ratios or considering a program that they hadn't considered before. It just kind of, it gets down to the nitty gritty and really opens some doors to the questions that people have, uh, without a doubt. It's one of those things, if you're not a member, I I don't understand why you're not, giving me a call Mm -hmm. and I'll put you in touch with somebody who can talk you into it. So it just yeah. certainly, without a doubt, it, we, the more people we get into this, the better off we are as, this, as an association. We can sure. speak with one greater voice and that's for our carrier friends in Canada, our carrier friends in Mexico and our carrier friends right here in the United States as well.
1: Well, I mean, let, let's be honest. What for us up here in Canada, what the Americans do is what we will do um, eventually, yes. you know, like, <laughs> exactly. you know, and ELDs is a great example uh, CTA had wanted ELDs many years ago and guy, that was about 15 years ago, maybe. And yeah, it looked like the I'm Americans saying. were moving that way. So CTA said, let's just wait for the Americans to do it right. so that whatever we adapt, we can use cross border without having to have two systems. Right. Well, that took a little longer than anticipated. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, we learned our lesson because we all gave you guys hockey and look how that turned out. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, so,
1: hey, uh, we gave you basketball. So, you know, yeah,
0: <laughs> fair point, fair point, fair point. there's no doubt about that. But, but you're right. I mean, it, it becomes kind of one of those things at this point in time. The border is really a very Ambiguously blurry gray line, especially yeah. between the U.S. and Canada. I mean, we're yes. so, our operations are so closely tied together, and yeah. I think the amount of carriers that now engage in cross-border operations has grown oh, tremendously. Yeah. It's you're no longer just a, a small business entity. A lot of people do it uh, because the trade is there. It, you know, it's. The, I think Canada is what our number one trading partner
1: yeah. in mm-hmm. the
0: world today, mm-hmm. and in saying that, it makes perfect sense. You know. It, yeah. It's such a close business partner of of the U.S. and vice versa that it makes sense to have very rules similar in nature. And you've got drivers that are operating in each other's lanes, so to speak. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense to have the rules interchangeable and have those drivers know and understand what each rules are going to be.
2: Well, even I was going to say, even from the aspect of, you know, just as a a, I don't want to say it as a pinpoint um, comparison. In Canada here right now, we've got the new ELD process coming into place. I know that there's a lot of American carriers that are probably going, what do I need to know? And I know if they're a member of TCA, they can reach out to TCA to get some of those answers and get direction to other people or other members that go, oh, yeah, we got this, we got this. Oh, and there's no doubt. And
0: certainly, you know, the difference between the U.S. and Canada is probably somewhere about 700 devices, if you want to be <laughs> to sure, <the> which <laughs> some of those in the U.S. maybe not will not work as designed. For, for that third party certification. But at the same point, you know, it speaks volumes about that third party certification, too. I mean, yeah. you wrote a rule and here's how the device is supposed to work, hence the third party yeah. certification. And you hold to that. Which, if I have a carrier that's engaged in cross border operations, I'm going to tell them they need to look at both both lists and find a device that is suitable and practical for their operations. Right. Um, right. I can't. If I've had that conversation once, I've had that conversation a thousand times. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, and it just goes to show you that the 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 size of cross border operations because everybody is involved. in it. yes, um, yes, you know, right. I I can also acknowledge the fact that you know. You do have a rule that is made for complying with hours of service regulations, and and that's what it's there for. The ELD is not designed to save a life. It's not a safety improvement device. The ELD is a tool. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it is a tool compliance tool for complying with hours of service. It is the hours of service regulations that are designed to save yes. lives and limit yes. limit fatigue driving and all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of people misinterpret that, but no. It is mainly a tool, much like a hammer is for building a house. a ELD is for complying with hours of service. Um, it gets the job done and a job that needed to get done. I mean, I think we all are have dated ourselves and go back to the mm-hmm. days with paper logs and, and know, you know, the fables that exist with some of those things. So um, ELDs is, well, was an inflection point of the industry. I always say it was our really one of the first big data generating devices that our industry got to encounter. And now... Copious amounts of data are being generated all over this industry that can be used for safety improvement, can be used mm-hmm. to find and see what the driver's day looks like. So it can highlight the, the issues that need to be fixed, that issues that are broken and, and yeah. go from there. So it's truck parking. We talked about that. And ELD mm-hmm. shows you where there's problems with truck parking and and mm-hmm. how much dynamic driver wastes actually looking for it on a daily basis. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things and data that are being generated by ELDs and other devices like that that take our driver's day in a manner which we as an industry hadn't been before. And it's mm-hmm. certainly going to reap be major benefits towards improving safety record of, of this industry.
1: Yeah. One of the, the, and I'll screw this stat up. I just remember reading it saying what a truck driver only drives. And I want to say it was six hours. David? Six and a
0: half hours of drive time per day.
1: Yeah, I mean, that just shocked the – I won't Mm -hmm. say what the other half of that sentence is, but (laughs) it just shocked me.
0: It does. Uh, It does. In fact, an MIT um, professor got up and testified on Capitol Hill that, yes, drivers are averaging about six and a half hours of drive time per day. And if we just allowed them to get 12 more minutes, 12 more minutes of drive time per day (laughs) – our supply chain crisis would be over with. And, well, and, you know, this is kind of that mantra. Certainly, yeah. I think we can find 12 minutes to prove this professor's theory right or wrong, but mm-hmm. we're just hunting for 12 minutes. But think about the amount of time they waste being detained at the shipper mm-hmm. or the speaker mm-hmm. facility. You know, they spend an hour every day looking for safe and secure truck parking, and that's not advancing the load That's actually looking for a place to park a truck. And, you know, this is productivity in a nutshell. And we're dealing with a supply chain environment that made big news and even put me on Fox News to talk about this, that there is a supply chain delivery issue in this country. And here we are. We're only at six and a half hours of drive time in the States that calls, allows drivers to drive 11. Um, So we're leaving leaving drive time unused and it's something that needs to be fixed i mean that if we can get productivity up to where it needs to be i think we can start really really moving a lot of freight
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and god damn it that's what we need at the moment right. to move more well, freight
0: well hold on we, let's, let's we, let my wife's christmas shopping finish up before we do that because yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly
2: but, but but i guess that's where if we could get the logistics side so the the shippers, the receivers on board to say, hey, you know what, why don't you just instead of taking an hour to unload that truck, why don't you do it in uh, 48 minutes and, and yep. give our guy back 12 minutes, you know, maybe yep. that can make a difference. But it just makes you question like if if the shipping and receiving side is so inefficient in their ability to unload and move the goods off the trailer. They've got to realize that your, your inefficiency is affecting the supply chain going down the road. And, and it's interesting it's like, that you bring that
0: up. When you bring that up, I was in a demonstration, an ELD device. I They were showing me the benefits of it. And they were highlighting a particular warehouse that had 50 dock doors to it, right? And they were highlighting the inefficiencies or efficiencies of each dock door. And there was one door that experienced a tremendous amount of detention time and they could not figure out why. I mean, it was just above and beyond stood out from all the rest about why this one door was not being tended to, and any driver that pulled up was being detained longer than any other doctor in the facility. So they went to the facility, and they figured out why. It was this one door was the closest door to the executive offices, and none of the people that serviced the doctors ever wanted to be near the executive offices. So the driver that pulled up to that door was often spent waiting because nobody was ever near there because they didn't want to be near where the boss was. So it's it's simple problems like that that an ELD can highlight or these telematics devices. Can highlight and show where problems exist to get that 12 minutes and get them out and drive. Yeah.
1: say. Um, with uh, I think that's a great place to kind of wrap up the show, Mr. Heller. Last word to you. Did we leave something out that you wanted to get across today?
0: If if you did, it's going to take another two hours for this show. <laughs> It, 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 honestly, we've talked about a lot on the show, and i yeah. uh, I hope uh, I hope you have me back because I imagine yeah, I there's you. going to be important. 2023 be great. is going to yep. be the time to talk about
2: uh-huh. oh, just about
0: everything pertaining to the driver. And obviously, I think it's mm-hmm. the goal of everybody involved to make the driver's life safer and easier. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we're looking at in 2023. Cool, awesome.
1: Thanks, David. Yes, General- thank you.
0: Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, David. David Heller of Truckload Carriers. David is the Senior Vice President at Truckload Carriers and does an awful lot of work on our our behalf, the trucking industry's behalf, in Washington, D.C. So thanks for coming on the show, David. We will be certain to have you back. That's it for this week, Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast. We are out. Thanks for tuning in.